Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Norton, in case you happen to be new or visiting with us. And um, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about something fun today. Uh, and you'll see what I mean by that in a second. Um, we started uh, a sermon series um, several weeks ago. And the name of the series is Deeply Satisfied. And for the first four weeks, we talked mostly about our digital devices and how much time we spend on them and how often that time is not very satisfying. Now, it's an easy escape, right? It's an easy uh, form of entertainment. It's an easy way to communicate with other people. It's an easy way to, to get information we couldn't get before, uh, to get information faster than we've ever been able to before, to now order food ahead of time in ways that we couldn't uh, before. There are so many amazing things we can do with technology and with our digital devices now. And yet, we are more anxious and more lonely and more uh, disconnected and more distracted than we ever have been. And we don't often feel deeply satisfied. So the first week of this series, if you were here, uh, there was a table in the middle of the sanctuary, and it was full of a feast of food. And uh, it was uh, all of this good, rich, abundant, delicious, uh, nutritious, deeply satisfying food. In fact, some of you didn't believe it was real. You said, I think that's fake, and you came up. And then we all feasted on it after uh, the service, after the 10 o'clock service. Sorry, 8.30 people. Um, but we all feasted on this amazing food. But if you remember, we also had some cotton candy. And I suggested that so often in our lives... We are settling for the cotton candy of digital distraction, and we're missing out on the feast of satisfaction. So uh, for the first four weeks, we basically just talked about the cotton candy of our digital devices and what they are often doing to us. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the feast. We're going to talk about the things that God gave us to deeply satisfy us. So let's jump right in. Uh, today we're going to explore one main concept, um, but before we talk about this main concept, I need to talk about another concept because as you'll see, these two things are often in connection with or paired with or in relationship with one another. So let me start with the first one and then we'll move on to the main one. Uh, the first concept is work. And let me give you a definition for that. Work includes the obligations to take care of ourselves others, and our home. Now, when I said the word work, most of us immediately thought of our jobs, our occupation, our uh, career, or maybe you thought about schooling, right? The schooling and the education that we go to to prepare for a job or a career. But work is broader than that, right? We go to school and then we get jobs in order to provide for ourselves, Right? To take care of ourselves, to, to provide a home that gives us shelter at night so that we can sleep and to provide uh, the necessary food that we need uh, to live. Um, work also includes taking care of others who need our supervision and care. Right? So if you're a parent, uh, work includes raising your children. Or perhaps you have uh, aging parents or there's someone else from your family that lives with you and they're dependent upon you. And it includes uh, taking care of them as well. And then, of course, 
uh, work includes not just providing for a, a little H home, but it means protecting our big H home. This planet that we call home, it means uh, contributing to the welfare of our neighborhoods, of the, the cities where we live, of our wider environment, right? If we destroy our cities or we destroy our, our water sources or our land or our environment, then we no longer have a home. We no longer have this place that God gave us to live. And so there's an obligation there to take care of and contribute to the wider benefit of our home. So all of that is work. And work can be deeply meaningful. It can be very uh, fulfilling. It can be really good. It can also be tiring. It can be difficult. It can be hard. There are plenty of days where what keeps us going is simply that sense of obligation or duty or that sense that I'm doing this because it contributes or serves some higher purpose. Now, we could spend a whole lot more time talking about uh, work, but that's not the focus today. The focus is the second concept that's in relationship with work, and it's the concept of leisure. Let me give you a definition. Leisure includes non-obligatory activities that are satisfying in and of themselves. So that word non-obligatory, that's a key distinction there. I mean, we're not obligated to do leisure activities. There's no sense of duty. They're the things we freely choose to do in our free time. Activities we do just for fun, right? Not because they serve some greater purpose. Activities that are satisfying in and of themselves. So, uh, example, I like to go backpacking. That's a leisure activity, right? There's nothing about that that it's not required of me. I don't do it because it's part of my job or my career, right? I don't do it because it earns income that pays the bills. It doesn't fulfill some greater responsibility that I'm trying uh, to keep. I go backpacking because it's just satisfying in and of itself. It is intrinsically rewarding for me. Now, uh, these two categories are categories that thinkers and philosophers and theologians have thought about for thousands of years. They might sometimes use different terminology, but uh, you can go back to Aristotle in the 4th century BC, and he says there's some things that you do in life that fall into the realm of duty and obligation. And he's talking about work. And he says there's other activities that we do not for any external reward or benefit or sense of obligation. We do these other things just for their own inherent satisfaction. He's talking about leisure. Now, uh, the Bible puts forward a view of work very clearly. We could spend a lot of time reading verses starting in Genesis and all throughout the Bible that talk and discuss our work, our obligations, our duties to, to one another, to ourselves, to this world and this place that we live in called home, right? But the Bible never really discusses leisure directly. Or explicitly. I don't have any verses we're going to read this morning. There's no instructions where it just pauses and says, here's what you should do in your free time. And yet, if you look for it, there are all kinds of clues about the importance of leisure in the Bible. So let me give you just a few quick examples. 
First, uh, music, dancing, craftsmanship, and the arts are celebrated all throughout the Bible. And again, we could read verses uh, in Exodus and particularly in the Psalms and in so many other places. And when you think about these things, they're not obligations. They're not duties. I mean, unless you live in our culture and you make a career out of one of these things, most of us don't do these things out of some sense of a, a higher purpose or responsibility we're trying to meet, right? We enjoy music just because we enjoy music. We dance or we create or admire art or artistic expression or artistic craftsmanship simply because it is satisfying in and of itself. And over and over and over, the, the Bible upholds these values and these things. Here's another example. Holidays and feasting, which, when you think about it, are essentially leisure activities, but they are huge in the Bible. Now, we can go back to Leviticus and, and wade through all of the laws there, but there's this huge section that describes all of these holidays that Israel is instructed to celebrate. There's three different holidays every spring, and there's three different holidays every fall. Uh, one of the spring holidays is called Passover. Um, the people are told, don't do any work. So again, set aside work. We're not doing that during this holiday. And take uh, essentially an entire week to partake in all of these festivities, this festival, all sorts of rituals. And at the end, there's going to be a really important meal and a, and a feast that we're going to participate in. Many Jews began to travel from where they lived in Israel to Jerusalem to celebrate this. This was like a vacation. This is why they were traveling. They're taking time out of their schedule to go to Jerusalem to partake in this massive festival for an entire week. Uh, in the fall... There's a holiday called the Festival of Tabernacles or Booths. And we don't use that kind of terminology anymore. A more modern um, translation would be the Holiday of Tents. Uh, because this was a holiday that was basically a seven-night camping trip. Okay, Literally, in order to remember the time that the Israelites camped in the wilderness and God provided for all of their needs... The people would set up these tents outside, and for seven nights, instead of living inside of their home and sleeping inside of their home, they would sleep inside of these tents. And then the holiday ended with a huge feast and celebration at the end. Now, if you think about holidays for a second, they're not really obligations. They're not work. In fact, we actually take off from work to celebrate holidays we, we don't celebrate holidays because we're obligated to. It doesn't fulfill some responsibility. It doesn't pay the bills. In fact, it usually costs us something. There are expenses associated with a holiday. In fact, in a few weeks, probably all of us are going to take a couple of days off of work and we're going to celebrate this thing called Thanksgiving, where we're all going to, we're going to come together and we're going to have a massive feast. Usually we'll gather with friends and family and we'll do all of this just because it is enjoyable and satisfying in and of itself. One more example of leisure from the Bible is weekly Sabbath. So as many of you probably remember, when the Israelites left Egypt, God said to them, 
I want you to radically change the way you think about time, how you practice time in your life. In Egypt, all you did was work. You had taskmasters over you that were forcing you to work 24-7. Your identity was wrapped up in the bricks that you could produce. But that's not who you really are. And that's not what you were made for. Now, to be clear, uh, God um, doesn't say to the Israelites, work is bad. No, work is actually good. There are obligations and duties that we have in life. And to fulfill those obligations is right and good. But God does say every single week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work for six days. Fulfill those obligations and duties in a healthy way for six days. But then every single week, I want you to take an entire day off from work. A day of rest, a day of celebration, a day of feasting, a day of enjoyment. You could even say a day of leisure. Now, if we fast forward to our lives and our culture and our own setting, when it comes to experiencing leisure, I think there's two problems we typically face. Problem one is the quantity of work versus leisure in our lives. So some of us are workaholics. We work a lot. We have too many work obligations we're carrying. We're never disconnected from work. We've left no room or space in our lives for true rest and leisure. Now, it's also possible, especially in an amazing, beautiful place like Colorado, to tip the scale the other way, right? To have your entire life revolved around recreation and leisure and to neglect your work obligations, right? See, we can make an idol of leisure or we can make an idol of work. And so maybe one question to just ask yourself today is simple is, do I have a healthy understanding of work and leisure in my life, and the way that I'm engaging both. But here's the second problem, and this is where I want to camp out a little more today. Problem number two is the quality of our leisure. So let me make a really important statement here. We often substitute low-quality digital distraction for high-quality leisure activities. In other words, we spend a lot of our free and discretionary time now, our leisure time, primarily being entertained or distracted on our digital devices. And we don't even realize it, but that's actually really low quality leisure. It's the equivalent of eating cotton candy. There's not a lot of nutritional value. It's not deeply satisfying. Now, the problem with eating lots of cotton candy, right, is not just that it's bad for your health and maybe it'll give you cavities and all those things. It's that it fills you up and it keeps you from actually eating the things that would be good for you. And it's the same with digital distraction. It's not just we're spending too much time on our phones. It's that we're not engaging and experiencing the high-quality leisure activities that God actually made us and gave to us to experience. Activities that would be so much more 
satisfying. So let's ask the question, what makes a leisure activity high quality? Or in our language, what would make a leisure activity deeply satisfying? Uh, Cal Newport is an author. I've mentioned him several times during this series. Um, He studied this idea of leisure, and he suggests that there are a, a couple of factors, at least, or a couple of qualities that make a leisure activity deeply satisfying. The first is activities that facilitate physical skill or creation. So these are activities where you're doing something tangible and physical with your body. You're developing skills or maybe you're even uh, creating something that is tangible because when we do those things, it is intrinsically rewarding. That's why so many of us growing up played sports, right? Maybe you still play Sports. You go out and you shoot a basketball and the next day you shoot again and you just get a little bit better. And maybe you never get good enough to play competitive basketball, but there's something just fun and rewarding about it. It's the same with music and the arts. It's that same thing that you feel when you create an amazing meal and then you and other people enjoy it or you make a piece of furniture on your own or you help produce a garden full of vegetables or you develop some sort of skill to fix some problem that has been bugging you. When you engage in something physical and tangible that requires skill or requires creativity, it's also going to require more effort. It requires more participation. It requires more engagement than any sort of digital activity or digital distraction or digital entertainment. And that's why it's so much more intrinsically rewarding and satisfying. That's what makes it high quality leisure. Uh, A second quality of leisure activities that are deeply satisfying are activities that facilitate what uh, Newport calls supercharged socializing, meaning you're engaging in something that is connecting you with other people in more intensive or concentrated or what he calls supercharged ways. So board games do this really, really well. A team sports does this really well. Uh, The men's retreat that I went on last weekend, um, some of the most satisfying times of the whole weekend for guys were Saturday afternoon when a bunch of guys were playing soccer and basketball, right? And I played a little bit of basketball and I lost every single game I played. It was still satisfying. And then also Saturday night where a whole bunch of guys were playing poker and board games. This supercharged uh, socializing. It's also why CrossFit is so popular It's why book clubs are so popular, right? If you enjoy reading, then reading a good book is satisfying. But then hanging out with a bunch of other people who read the same book and then discussing it and engaging it together is even more deeply satisfying. And these are the kinds of experiences we were made to experience. God made us to be creative. He made us to be engaged, to use our hands, to use our bodies. He made us to learn and practice skills. And he made us to do these things with other people. And when we don't have them in our lives, uh, when we don't have space to rest from the obligations of work, when we don't have space to do things that are fun, to hone a skill, to enjoy a hobby, 
to celebrate a holiday with others, to be a part of a group that's gathering together regularly just to do something because it's fun when we don't have these things. We become less of who God made us to be. So I want to conclude today by just challenging you to consider four practices. So here's what they are. Number one, practice number one is to do a one-month digital declutter in your life. Now, I challenged all of us to do this several weeks ago, and a bunch of you are doing it for the month of October. But if you sort of passed on it at that time, and you're like, I don't really need it, or I don't want to do it, I want to challenge you to do it because the problem is not that we don't want more leisure in our lives. We do. If I said, who wants to do things that are fun? Like, everybody would agree. It's that we've substituted digital distraction and entertainment and we filled up our lives with these things and they're not that satisfying and so the first place you can simply start is to say what if for entire month i just took a break from all optional digital technology in my life and what if instead i used that time to pursue things that are restful that are leisurely that 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 do something to me that's so much more satisfying because So many of us say, like, I would love to invite more people over. I just don't have the time, right? I want to give more attention to that skill. I want to pursue that hobby that I used to do, right? I want to join that group. I want to try that thing. I just don't have the time. Well, this is how you make more time. If you're interested in that, I did a whole uh, podcast on this a few weeks ago, and you can go back to our website and listen to that. And There's a whole bunch of details about how to do this uh, for one month. Here's a second practice. Practice number two, do something active, fix something broken, or make something new every single week. So just commit to this practice every week. I'm going to do something physical and active this week, which I know a lot of us are already doing. And if you are, that's great. If you work out regularly, if you go hiking, if you're involved in sports, um, then do one of the other two things. But if you're not active, Make this commitment every single week. I'm going to carve out some time to do something active or fix something broken, right? Um, A few weeks ago, I was out of town and one of the toilet seats in our house got a little bit loose. And my wife, Janice, is doing a digital declutter during the entire month of October, like many of you. And so she actually made this commitment that if I find something broken in our house, instead of telling Norton or instead of calling a professional, I'm going to figure out how to fix it myself, okay? So um, I came home from being out of town, and the very first thing she told me, the first thing she was excited about was, I went on YouTube, and I found a video. And by the way, this is like the best use of YouTube, right? There is a video for any kind of thing that you need to fix or anything that you need to ever make, right, on YouTube, and it's great. And so she was like, I want, I watched this video on YouTube. I figured out there's two little screws in the back of the toilet seat, and I fixed it in like 30 seconds. And she was so like uh, proud of herself and excited because this simple thing was inherently rewarding. It's deeply satisfying, right? Because she took the time to acquire a fairly easy skill and then fix something that was broken. So fix something broken every single week or make something new. About eight years ago, I started painting, not because I'm good at painting, but I just found it gave me this outlet of creativity that I didn't even know I was missing or I was 
longing for. And so now I just do it regularly. I don't do it because I'm good at it. Uh, It's just a hobby, right? I don't do it because it's fulfilling any sort of obligation or any sort of responsibility. But I notice the weeks that I carve out an hour or two to do something like that, that is entirely creative. I notice that it's deeply satisfying for my soul. So practice number two, do something active, fix something broken, or make something new every week. Practice number three, join something. It's that easy, right? Join a book club if you're not already in one. Join a recreational sports team or a running group or a CrossFit group or a yoga studio, right? Uh, There's guys at New Denver that um, play poker once a month. Join that group. Talk to Pete Cooper. He'll give you all the details and you can join with them. Or if you're a mom to young kids, uh, join our mops group. They meet a couple of times a a month just to hang out and be together. Um, Maybe it's joining a group of people. Maybe it's starting a group. Maybe it's just uh, calling a few friends and saying, hey, let's have dinner once a month at our house together. And there's no other purpose other than just having fun and just hanging out and being together. Uh, join a D group at New Denver Church. We're going to start new D groups again in January. If you're not a part of one of those, join one of those. Now, if you're an extroverted person, chances are you're already doing this. Maybe you're in a lot of groups already, and that's great. And the reason that you're doing it is not just because you're extroverted, but because you've done it and you found it's deeply satisfying to spend time playing board games or playing sports or doing something with a group of people. But the truth is, there's a lot of us that aren't involved in groups. Or we've signed up for a group, but we don't engage it that much. We don't participate that much. Because we're just too busy. We have too many things going on. So make it a commitment and a practice to start participating. To start showing up. And then here's the last practice. And this might be the most important one. Practice number four. Schedule low quality digital leisure. So this is where our digital devices come in. And I'm not suggesting you need to get rid of your TV or your phone, but you can put a boundary on your low-quality digital leisure. You can say, these are the times, right, where I'm free to surf the internet as much as I want. I'm free to check all the social media things. I can watch YouTube. I can binge watch Netflix. But I'm only going to do it during these times. See, uh, the biggest problem with low-quality digital leisure is that it is available every single moment of our lives. And because it's so easy, and because it is so accessible, and because it requires so little effort of us, then we will almost always choose it over something active, over fixing something that is broken, over making something that is new, over joining a group of people, over learning a new skill, over uh, practicing some sort of engaging activity, because all of those things require more effort and more energy. Now, all of those things will also be way more satisfying, but it's so hard in the moment to choose them when scrolling or surfing or chatting, or binge-watching, are so much easier. 
So just make a decision, for example, every single weeknight from 7.30 to 9 p.m. and every Saturday afternoon. That's when I'm going to do my low-quality digital leisure time, right? That's when I can catch up on all my TikToks. I can check Instagram. I can check Facebook. I can check all my news feeds. I can do whatever I want, right, during those times. But outside of those times, decide, I'm not going to reach for my phone. I'm not going to turn on the TV. I'm not going to play video games. I'm going to create space and time where I can do things that are more deeply satisfying. Now, exactly how you set up your schedule um, is not as important as just setting up a schedule and beginning the practice. And, And here's what you'll discover. The times that you do allow for digital distraction will be more than enough. You can check all of your social and stay connected to everybody you know in about 20 minutes a week, right? Putting boundaries on it, doing it during set times means that now it's not going to bleed into and co-opt every other minute and hour of your life. And it means you've made more time and space for rest, which is so important. It means you've made more time and space to be present relationally with other people, which is so much more satisfying. It means you've made time and space to be more creative and active and engaging. It means you've made space for the high-quality kind of leisure that God made us for. So I encourage you to consider doing that. To consider asking God, how can I make space to enjoy the feast that you have provided for me? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us bodies and the ability to do such amazing things. Thank you for giving us the ability to create the way you created this world. Thank you for giving us music and sports and arts and crafts and food and games and hanging out and having fun. Thank you for all of these opportunities. Help us to do whatever we need to do to begin to lean into the kind of deep satisfaction that you made us to experience. I pray this in your name. Amen.